Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 4, verse 4 to 30. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Just then, His disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or, Why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for the, the warm welcome, um, Mike, and realize also that it's quite warm in here, and so uh, you, guys, you guys know how to welcome uh, a guest preacher today. Um, yeah, my name is Rex, and uh, uh, again, I'm pastoral intern at Grace Downtown, and it's uh, really a pleasure uh, to be able to worship with you all this morning, and um, as uh, as uh, this past uh, few weeks, uh, all of us uh, in Grace Downtown and at Grace West have been going through a Lent series, 
uh, to prepare our hearts for Easter. And uh, this week, uh, we are studying from John 4, uh, where Jesus encounters a, a Samaritan woman at the well. And so that's uh, where we start. And uh, why don't we open up in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise and we thank you that you have gathered us here this morning. Uh, Lord, we might come uh, this morning uh, with different thoughts in our minds, different feelings. Uh, But Lord, we know as we come to you, uh, you can refresh us. And Lord, we pray, God, that this morning your word will be like a refreshing drink for our souls and that we can be nourished and we can be encouraged and we will feel loved, and we can have hope. And so, Father, we come this morning um, seeking you. Will you open our hearts and our ears to hear from your word today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I find myself uh, thinking about water a lot, um, and, I, and I wonder if you do as well, too. Um, I found this quote on li- online uh, that essentially said, Water is life. Water is life. Very simple. But I think it has a deeper meaning behind it. And it's used to express that perhaps water impacts how we live. It impacts our livelihoods, our decisions. And it can often have life-altering effects and consequences. I think about globally. uh, There are parts of this world that are struggling. Um, They're experiencing severe drought. Um, Maybe they have flooding. Some countries that lack access to clean water and have uh, global water security issues. Uh, That's a big international issue. I think about ourselves locally. Um, As a homeowner, one of the issues that we often face at this time of the year is melting snow. And so I'm thinking about the effects of the water maybe going into the basement, you know, and maybe sudden changes of the temperature. There might be issues with our, our pipes, For those who love to travel, I find oftentimes we perhaps plan our vacations around access to water, such as, you know, we want to go to beaches or lakes or we want to see mountain hikes that have waterfalls or springs. And then these days, as a parent with young kids, I find myself always on the lookout for washrooms, preferably a clean one. And then in the hot summer days, I'm on the lookout for for splash pads uh, to keep the kids entertained. So when I read this passage in John 4, I put myself in the shoes of the Samaritan woman, and I, and I wonder if she also thinks about water as much as I do or we do. Because people in antiquity, they, they needed water for cooking and cleaning and drinking. After all, they also have those needs. And unlike us, they don't have pipes to bring them fresh water. And so in the ancient times, often women would go, maybe walk a short distance or a long distance, and they would fill up water from the wells that are mentioned here and bring them back in these water pots. And so when this woman hears about an offer of living water that we read this morning in our passage, I'm thinking she's probably got many thoughts. She's probably got two immediate thoughts. Number one, thank you. Thank you, because I no longer have to come back to this well to pick up water every day. Number two, 
It's odd. This Jewish man that just approached me, that speaks into me, doesn't seem prepared. This well is clearly deep. He's got no tools. But I think Jesus presents something incredible and is more than just physical water. He is telling this woman, I have a spiritual water that will quench your spiritual thirst. And the question is, will you drink it? Will you drink this spiritual water that is offered to you? And this is the same question that is presented to us today. Will you drink the spiritual water that is offered to you? Because that's what John in this gospel is telling us. Essentially, he's telling us, drink this living water because it quenches our spiritual thirst. And Jesus tells us, through the Samaritan woman. Why? Why? Why we should do this in three, this, in three ways. Number one, drink this living water because it is a gift of God. And number two, drink this living water because we will never be thirsty again. And three, drink this living water because Christ, Christ gives it to us. Drink this living water because it is a gift of God. Remember when my, my kids were younger and uh, they had just understood this concept of gift giving. And so they would use their crayons and their stickers and, and they would make these little paper cards for me as a gift to me. And when I came home, they would be so excited and they would immediately run up and try to hand deliver that to me. And they would try to show me, look, this is what I drew. And I can imagine as a, as a gift giver, we would take great pleasure in doing the same things, wouldn't we? We would have enjoyment in, in delivering a gift, especially one in which we know would benefit and make the recipients glad. And I think this is what Jesus does to us. He came to, to give us the gift of God, and he came to show us this gift. And we can see this in how John describes the journey that Jesus took. In verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Jesus had to pass. Why did he have to pass? And why did we get all this detail about this town and this well called Jacob's Well? And I think this requires just a quick historical and situational understanding between the Samaritans and the Jews. You see, the Samaritans were a racially mixed group of Israelites and Gentiles who were brought into the kingdom of Israel after the Syrian uh, deportation. And whereas the Jews, considering how God had asked them to be set apart from their culture and their worship, to only worship the one true God, they were taught to value what was clean and unclean. And because of this, both groups didn't quite get along. Culturally, they were divided because the Jews regarded the Samaritans as unclean. And so even spiritually, where they worshipped, as we read in this passage, the place of significance was also different. And as such, they didn't cross paths. Commentators have noted that typically Jews would not have taken this journey through Samaria. 
Jesus and his disciples could have taken a geographical detour. Yet there was a reason why Jesus took this path. Perhaps a divine or even a spiritual reason. Yet what we see here, Jesus not only breaks one cultural tradition to deliver this gift, but two. Because as a Jew, not only did he interact with a Samaritan, but he does so as a man who is speaking to a woman to whom he is not related to. And in Jewish culture, a man who is not related to a woman would not allow themselves to be seen alone with them. Yet this was not just a man who was delivering or asking for a drink. Jesus engages in a conversation with this woman. And there is no question that he divinely sought her out and is now speaking with her. And so what Jesus does is, not only does he come to deliver it, but he shows us this gift. And he does this in the response to the woman by saying, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you have asked him. And he would have given you living water. And what we see here being correlated is that this gift of God is living water. But how does the Samaritan woman respond? You can imagine, probably like most of us would, with a response that has considered the evidence, that would have weighed the evidence of the current reality especially if you look at the words living water and its original meaning and what it would have meant. Because to this woman, living water presumably meant water that is found in a waterfall coming from a mountain or a river. So if this man, Jesus, is saying and offering you living water, your thoughts would also be, uh, yes, I would like to have some. It's tiring carrying this water pot. But also, where is it? Because in her response, she is focused on the physical and not on the spiritual reality to which Jesus speaks of. And this is why we see her challenging Jesus, almost to the point of mocking him. And second, Jesus comes, coming to Jesus and asking him would be enough to receive this gift. He says, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Again, what we see here is Jesus coming to give us this gift of God. And he shows us where this gift comes from. It is from God. So what is the implication of this? One, I think we can see the love of God in the beginning of the outpouring of Jesus' mission here. See, in the chapter before, we hear of this well-versed or well-known verse in John 3:16 and 17 we hear the words of Jesus describing the love of God as God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him and so Jesus sought out this encounter with a Samaritan woman and we can see What is God's providential love for his people? God desires for us to receive this gift through Christ, through Jesus, who had to go through Samaria to show and reveal God's love for us. From this encounter, we can see that not only that, this gift that Jesus talks about is not limited, 
Now, it's not limited to a geographical location, nation, or people. Christ came to show us this gift, this gift that is accessible to you and I. And we can drink this living water because Jesus says we will never be thirsty again. What does he mean? Jesus tells us something profound. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Despite the woman's challenge to him, Jesus shows us his grace, doesn't he? And we can see it from the way that he patiently explains to this woman, using metaphorical language. Jesus is showing us that the physical water, the water that is tangible, and what we can see in this well is perhaps much like the idols, the things that we worship. And much like the water that we need, we keep coming back, we keep drinking it to survive. And we have been drinking up these idols. And they keep us thirsty. They keep us thirsty and we keep coming back to them because we think we need them. And so what are these idols? For this woman, perhaps it is her relationships. We can see that. In his divine nature, Jesus knows this woman and her relationships. And so he confronts it by asking for the woman's husband. It might appear like an odd kind of question to us in our modern thinking, but because of the cultural customs for a man to speak to another man, it would not have been unnatural for Jesus to ask this woman this question. But we can see in her short and concise response, this woman wants to veil, veil the truth. She had no husband. That wasn't the full story. But in Jesus' response, what we don't, what we see is not immediate rebuke or pronouncing judgment. Jesus does none of that. He does not offer a condemnation, but instead he allows her to continue the conversation. And he shows grace and he goes after what he divinely knows as the things that are hurting her. In this case, her relationships. And I think much like the Samaritan woman, this is a bit of a reflection moment for us. What are these idols that we have been getting temporal satisfaction from? Is it our relationships, our families, our career, identity, our status, our money, insert, name? We all come to these wells daily like this woman and have been thirsty again and again and again. And these idols that we have been drinking from, well, we think they satisfy us. And maybe they do. But it's often temporal. And the effects go away shortly, and we need to keep drinking it. But in contrast, Jesus tells us that there's a spiritual water. There's a spiritual water that exists, one which makes us no longer spiritually thirsty goes beyond that. In his words, he says, it gives us a spring of water. Wow. Wow. Imagine you were the woman and every day you came back to draw water. This water is heavy. And all of a sudden you have this 
imagery in your mind of, of just water gushing out of a fountain or a well, and it's just overflowing and it's abundant. Jesus tells us he offers us this. And what's more is that it brings about eternal life and the things of eternity. How is this spiritual water fulfilling? Well, if we were to look through Scripture, if we look through the passages that speaks of rivers, it often gives us an assurance of a symbol that there is fulfillment in God. These rivers and these streams, they lead to abundance and life because in God's eternal kingdom, they are centered in one thing, the presence of God. So Jesus is willing to receive us as his broken bride, one who is scarred and shamed and with our heavy sins that we bear. And he says, drink. Drink because once you drink this living water, you will never be thirsty again. And so this morning, Jesus is offering us living water. And the implication and the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we believe it? Do we believe it? Is Jesus just a prophet, as this woman said? Someone who miraculously knows what our lives are about, and it stops there? Or is Jesus the one who came to offer us a living gift? That if we believe in him, our thirst can be truly spiritually quenched. Do we believe it? And thirdly, we can drink this living water because Christ gives it to us. Living water is available now. Living water is available now. We come to the passage where, uh, in, in this part of the passage, where the topic of worship comes up. And it talks about the Samaritans and the Jews. And this is important, but also contentious. And it is contentious because Samaritans claim that Mount Gerizim, the mountain that she references, that this is where they worship. And on the hand, other hand, Jews claim that no, where they worship is in fact Jerusalem. But Jesus confronts this and he tells this woman that no, worship is no longer tied down to a particular geographical location. And that through Christ we have a, a new priest whose death would serve as a mediator for our sins. And why Jesus tells this woman that salvation is from the Jews? Well, He's simply foreshadowing that true eternal life comes from him. But more than that, up until now, I don't think we've actually asked this question or addressed it. What is living water? What is living water? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Jesus doesn't actually tell us here in John 4. But if we look ahead in John chapter 7, Jesus tells us what living water actually is. And it's recorded that living water is the Holy Spirit. In chapter 7, it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Living water is the Holy Spirit. And what John here explains to us 
It's not that the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus' mission on the cross was not yet done. So the Spirit, in the full and complete sense, was not here yet. And so that's the reason why when we turn to the book of Acts, in the day of the Pentecost, after Christ's work was done on the cross, that's when we can see the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, and we can see then that we are able to fully receive the Holy Spirit. But this is why we come back to chapter 4 and we see Jesus' mission was so important. His mission was to teach his disciples the reason why he came. But the mission ends with him fulfilling it on the cross. And so we come to Christ's work on the cross and we're reminded it flows from grace. The kind of grace where Christ knows our sins and we still see his love and his kindness towards us. In Romans 5, the apostle Paul tells us that God demonstrates his grace towards us that it was not by our righteousness, but God's grace that we have our faith. He says, while we were still still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Christ's love for us is that he will eventually willingly go to the cross for our sins to fulfill what was the plan of salvation from the beginning. Because on the cross... He takes our thirst so that we can have a drink of eternal life. He is given sour wine to drink so that we can have the sweet taste of wine that reminds us of Christ. Jesus died on the cross in place of us so that when we believe that he is the Messiah, his blood covers our sins. Only the blood of Jesus can do that in his mercy and his, his grace He takes it and he bears it so that we can be reconciled and restored before a holy God. The Christ who said, I who speak to you and he is also the one who opened his loving arms and he welcomes us and he invites us. Our idols, they exhaust us. They will leave us dry. But when we know Jesus and his gracious love for us, that will satisfy our heart's deepest needs, our assurance. It will give us belonging and our worth. And what is the implication of all this? We can leave our water pot behind. See, what Christ gives us and enables us to leave it all behind. I think there's something to be said here about this Samaritan woman's water pot. See, she had come here daily using this vessel to draw water. And I would presume that this would be very important to her. And not something she would want to misplace or leave behind. Yet in this passage, we read that as Jesus' disciples had returned, she runs away. Maybe that alarmed her. Maybe that's why. But I think that might be unlikely because no one spoke. We hear their thoughts, but no one spoke. And, and what is evident in this narrative is that it records that she leaves it. She leaves her vessel that she needed. And so what presumably we can gather is that she's excited. 
She was excited to have witnessed the Messiah, and the conversation transformed her. So she goes into the town, not timidly, not measured. No. She goes to town to tell that she has found the spiritual treasure. She goes to tell people, is he the Messiah? New Testament commentators like Karen Jobes have noted the parallel here between this account and the Jesus' disciples who have left everything to follow him. And there is reason to believe this woman accepted what Jesus was saying, believed in it. It's possibly on her way to becoming his disciple. And so perhaps this morning you have come to Grace West. And similar to the Samaritan woman, you have brought your vessel to the well each day. And you may be getting your fill with the physical water, but lacking the spiritual water. I can tell you, you have found it. And Jesus is offering you this gift of God, and through him you can find the hope that will truly satisfy you. And he doesn't want you to go home empty again. And if this is something that you long for, I would encourage you to talk to someone here today. Maybe it's someone who invited you. One of the elders here at church. But maybe we are someone who has multiple water pots. You see, we can be followers of Christ and we come to Sunday service week after week, but we still hold on to these physical water pots, unwilling to leave them with Christ. We confess the same sins and the struggles that we have each week, hoping to leave it with Christ. And when we get home, we turn around. It's still there. Maybe we haven't fully left our idols behind with Christ and recognize the nourishment of the Holy Spirit who is able to transform us. And so this morning, perhaps this is something we need to investigate. Application. How do we apply this to our lives? How do we go and leave these things, these idols, these treasures that we have, and go to Jesus? Well, one, I think we need to first recognize Recognize the source of your water. Is it stagnant? What have the waters been that you have been drinking from? What are the sins? What are the idols in your lives that you have been feeding? And and it's preventing you from receiving fully the spiritual living water. Oftentimes, we hide it well, don't we? We can tuck it behind But today, perhaps this is something we need to look at. We need to identify. And two, we need to acknowledge our need for living water. I think as part of our Canadian culture, it's it's often easy. We do a good job of, of being humble, and we often wear it as a source of our badge of our identity, don't we? We're good at pointing out our weaknesses, and, and we even joke about them. But it might be a mask of something deeper. It might, we might just be masking the true sins, the idols, our dependency that we have. And so we need to turn instead and we need to acknowledge the living water that is offered to us. Do we recognize that Christ desires to have a relationship with you? 
and that we can have a relationship through Jesus. And perhaps this morning, not by accident, but God is intending to speak to you and I of his love and his plan. And perhaps we've been so caught up in our own physical world that we forget we need living water. Thirdly, draw from the living water. What are we using to draw this living water from? See, if we're not recognizing that what Jesus is offering us and that we can actually draw from it, we might miss out on these springs of living water. The Samaritan woman may not have fully known the scriptures, but she knew enough about where to worship and who to worship, the Messiah. Yet today, we have the beauty, the benefit of God's word, the counsel of God in one book. And we can draw from the living water. We can go to the word, the word made flesh. And we can do that by immersing ourselves in scripture. And we can do that by surrounding ourselves with people and go to the word together and draw. Draw from it daily. And lastly, will you drink the spiritual water that is offered to you? This is the question that we started off this morning. And perhaps we're confronted with, and it's a hard question. It's a difficult question. Will you drink the spiritual water that is offered to you? Because Jesus is inviting you. Come. Come and drink this living water because it is a gift of God. Come. Come and drink this living water because not only will we not be thirsty again, but your soul will be quenched. Come. Come and drink this living water because Christ, Christ has given it to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you that we can come and drink. We can come to you despite the waters that we have been drinking from. And you have given us this gift. You have shown us this gift. And we can readily come and draw from it, just like this woman. And so, Father, Lord, this morning, will you open our eyes to be able to see it, our hearts to be able to receive it. And may this passage serve as a refreshing drink and a nourishment to our souls. We thank you for your hope, your love, your grace, and your mercy that is offered through your Son, Jesus. And we pray, Father, Lord, that we can walk away transformed, be renewed, and feel your love today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.